Was the fast easy? How many, first time you've ever fasted? First time. How about second time? How about you've been with us now doing this three or four or five years in a row? Yeah, you all look a little thinner today. You do. <laughs> Lieutenant John Blandford was in Florida. Uh, had just a few days before he's going to be on a bus to New York City and then over to Europe during World War II. He's reading a book, a used book in a library here in our great state, and he noticed in the margin there were some notes in the margin, and so he thought, oh, those are great notes, those are great memos. So he opens the front of the book, and he sees it's by a lady named Hollis Maymel. And so, and it says, all it says was New York City, New York. So he gets on the bus, service man, goes to New York City. The day before he gets shipped out, he looks in a phone book, and he finds her address. He decides to write her a letter. And so he says to Miss Hollis, loved your notes inside your book. Could we write back and forth? I'm going to Europe for about a year and a half. Long story short, they began this budding romance through letters. They've never met each other. He's a lieutenant. He served in our military. He's now about to come back. And he says, I want to meet you in New York City. Can you send me a picture? She said, if we really like each other, looks don't matter. Sounds like a woman, doesn't it, guy? (laughs) If we really like each other, looks don't matter. And so she said, this is how you'll recognize me as as you get off the boat. I'll be wearing a green-like suit jacket, and I'll have a red rose attached to my lapel. He gets off the ship. Here comes this blonde, striking, beautiful, tall, gorgeous, looks like a movie star. And she says to him as she walks by him, going my way, sailor. And then he realized she didn't have on a red rose. So he keeps walking about another 75 feet, and he runs in to this woman that's now 15, 18 years older than him, gray hair, early 40s. And she's pretty, but it's not going to be love. It'll be friendship. But he decides, I'm going to meet her, talk to her. We've been writing each other. And he says, hi, my name's Lieutenant John Blanford. You must be Hollis Maynell. May I take you to dinner? She puts her hands on her hips, and she says, young man, I don't know what this is all about, because she's wearing the red rose. I don't know what this is all about, but that striking blonde that just walked by here, she told me to wear this red rose, and if you ask me to dinner, she wants you to know she's across the street at the restaurant waiting for you. <laughs> Lieutenant John and Hollis were married for over 40 years great story. All right, file that story. What if he would have rejected that? What if he would have rejected the second woman and just kept walking by? All right, the brainchild for this message uh, really came about a year ago. Ethan and I were at breakfast, our, my, our, son, our son and I were at breakfast, and we're both like working on some people problems. He's got three or four acquaintances and friends and people that aren't doing well, aren't living right, aren't coloring within the lines. They're off the reservation. Good people, but major people problems. I had the same thing. I had three or four different kind of cases I'm bringing before Ethan. And as a family, we have always discussed this. We've always discussed people problems. And in the ministry, it is like, these are like too good to be true stories about what not to do. And they just like come to your door. I kid you not. In Memphis, we live two miles from the church. And people at all hours of the night are banging on our door. They're drunk. 
Manic depressive, uh, one had an affair and the other one's mad and they're at the house or somebody stole the money out of the wife's account and did riverboat gambling. This happened all the time. We live two miles. This is why today I live in a gated community. <laughs> and if I could afford it, I'd have a tank and seven Marines right around my yard. So anyway, um, the kids were used to this, and we just found out about three years ago that Ethan and Erica, whose bedrooms were both upstairs, when somebody's banging on the door, they would get out of their rooms, grab their pillows, crawl on their elbows to the loft upstairs where we couldn't see them. We assumed they were asleep, and they listened to everything that went on downstairs. It just breaks us in cold sweats thinking about some of those conversations. So anyway, we're having this discussion at breakfast. We've, we've got son-in-laws now. We talk about these things. We, we aggressively collaborate to solve problems. And Ethan said to me, he said, well, Dad, all these different people, all these different issues and challenges, he said, you know what? There's a string that ties them all together. I'm going, well, what is it? I, I can't wait to hear this. What is the string that ties them together? He said, Dad, they all just want to be loved. And he began to peel back the layers of the onions to these people's lives, and there was rejection, and there was betrayal, and this person's acting out. And he said, Dad, they just want to be loved. The author of Proverbs, the smartest man in the world, said pretty much the same thing. What a person desires is unfailing love. And it is exactly what you want. You desire to be known and to be loved. In fact, you dream about this. You dream that if somebody really knew you, would they still love you? If they really knew me, if they really knew what I was like and who I am and what I, how I act and how I respond, what, what, if they knew the deep recesses of my, if they knew some of those rooms in my house, would he or she still, would they love me? And we see back in the early chapters of Genesis how this drove them. I, I don't know how Adam and Eve had the fall, but I know the results of the fall. And the fallout from the fall was tremendous. And the fallout from the fall still impacts you and still impacts me today. Because all of a sudden, they began to hide. And you and I have gotten good at this. If I can only hide, then maybe she'll like me. If I can hide, then maybe he'll do life with me. And so you, hear the, you have the early chapters of Genesis where God's like asking, where are you? And if you're not a Christian, not a believer, you're thinking, what kind of a God is this? He can't even keep up with two people. I mean, it wasn't that many people to keep up with, right? This should be pretty easy. What kind of a bumbling God can't keep up with two people in the garden? And so God's not asking because he doesn't know. They don't know where they are. And that's the question. Do you know where you are? If they knew me, if I was fully known, would I still be fully loved? And that's a question that haunts some of us. So they hide, then they begin to cover up, then they begin to blame, and what was the woman you gave me, what was the serpent? And so all of a sudden the blame game takes place, and now there's consequences. But isn't that exactly us? We hide, we cover, we blame. 
And the consequences really don't get any better. The results don't get any better because we continue to hide, blame, cover. And if I can just keep hiding, blaming, and covering, I can keep people from really looking at me and seeing who I am. So the question this morning is, if, if I was fully known, would I still be fully loved? Well, that's the amazing story about the, the, the gospel. Jesus Christ has no illusions about you. Jesus never came to save good people. All the encounters in the scriptures, Jesus is always welcoming sinners and he is eating with them. The gospel was always to the people who least deserved it. And the gospel was always reaching out to people who were in great need, but they recognized it. One of my favorite stories is about Simon Peter in the boat fishing with Jesus, and finally he realized who Jesus is. Now, I think Peter was a very successful businessman. I don't think he had a boat. I think he had a fleet of boats. I don't think he had an assistant. I think he had multiple uh, fishing partners and networking. And Peter was not just your flunky fisherman. Peter owned the fishing industry. I think Peter was well-known in the community. I think Peter was a good guy. I think Peter had a great reputation. I think people honored Peter. Here comes Simon. He's given some money to charity. Here comes Simon. He volunteers on Saturday, or not that'd be the Sabbath, on Monday to help do some things. And so here comes Peter, and all of a sudden he realizes that he is in the presence of holiness. And so they're out in the boat together. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. So Jesus gets in the boat with you and with me. And there can be a life-changing event. Jesus gets in the boat. They don't really know each other that well yet. Let down the nets for a catch. Simon Peter answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll, I'll let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish, their nets began to break, so they signaled their partners. They got partners. There's a fleet of businessmen out there networking, making more money working together. And the other boats to come and to help them. And they came and they filled both boats, so they, they were full, they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees. Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Is Peter going to work his way to heaven? Is Peter going to somehow just keep hiding and covering and blaming? No. He's in the presence of Jesus. This is what the gospel does. You've been rejected. You've had hurts. You've had pains. And, and yet you and I somehow want to manage our image. Well, that's really hard to do with Jesus. Because Jesus has no illusions about you in the first place. Jesus didn't come to save good people. Jesus came to save people who were really, really sinful. The next story in John chapter 4 is the woman at the well. And it was going great. It was going really, really well until Jesus started talking about her past marriages. Now, she's had five husbands. She's living with somebody. That's a tall order in our day. Do you agree with that? That's unusual today. But in that culture, that was like off the scale. Here's their encounter. Jesus says this. Go call your husband, he said. She says, I have no husband. Now, if you've never read this story, you're like, Jesus, you just ripped the scab off this woman's heart. And that's exactly the point. Because you fear rejection. 
And until Jesus gets a hold of your heart, you will always manage your image. You will always hide. You will always pretend. You will always cover up. And you will never get better. But the beautiful thing about grace, God's grace, it's never a ticket for failure. It's never a ticket to hide. It's never a ticket to blame. It's never a ticket to cover up. God's grace is an invitation for growth. And He will always get you in touch with your rejection. He will always get you in touch with your pain because He is the only source. And that's what He's doing. Go call your husband. Well, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands, and the man you are now living with is not your husband. What you've just said is quite true. Ouch! Ouch! Jesus, really? Take Dale Carnegie's class, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I mean, come on. No. No. He's going to get you in touch. And see, if you knew me, would you really love me drives many of us. If you knew me, would you really love me has defined many of us. Well, the next couple's caught in adultery. And um, I don't know where the guy is. They were trying to nail Jesus and teach him about the law and trap him with the law so that only the woman is brought before them. But it takes two to tango, and the guy committed adultery, and the woman committed adultery, but only the woman is brought before them. And Jesus straightened her up. Remember all that? You who is without sin cast the first stone. And so straightened her up and said, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, sir. And then he said, Neither do I condemn you. Jesus said, But go now and just leave your life of sin. There's nobody else who can deal with your rejection. There is nobody else who can help you go forward. There is nobody, and we've all been rejected. We didn't get the scholarship. We didn't get the job. We didn't get the house. We didn't get the promotion. We didn't get, we didn't get, we didn't get. And maybe the marriage didn't work out. Maybe it's not working out. Maybe the parent-child thing's not working out. Maybe older parents, and you know, it's not. All of us have felt the sting of rejection. And the only way to go forward, this is a dream. I think you dream about this. I think you and I dream about being fully known and yet fully loved. And let's just be really honest here. The reason some of you never sign up for a connect group is you're scared to death people are going to find out you're not that great. And you've never signed up for a connect group because you're scared to death because you know inside of you, you've got lust and you've got greed and you've got self-centeredness and you're really narcissistic. And and so you, you know that. The great news about the gospel is he knows it too. And he says, come to me, all who are weary and who are heavy laden. Come to me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come to me. That's the gospel. So grace is never a ticket for failure. It's never a ticket to hide, never a ticket to cover up, never a ticket to blame. It is always an invitation for growth. I want to give you some tools right now. You got to get this right first. This is step one. If you don't get step A, don't go to step B. Step A is the gospel. Step A is Christ. Step A is is what Jesus did. Every person he met, even Matthew, the tax collector. Remember when he met Matthew? He never told Matthew he had to change his behavior. He never told Matthew he had to change what he believed. He just said what? Come follow me. 
come follow me. And when you follow Jesus, everything changes. And here's the opportunity for us as a family. We're family. We're not worshiping each other. We're worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And as our eyes are on the King, then we all kind of get healthier together. So I want to give you some tools right now on how we go forward with some of the rejection. Because it's real. And you felt it, and you've been stung, and you still can kind of almost smell the sting of some of it. So let me give you some tools right now. These are in your app, on your phone as well, if you want to follow along. Rejection is not a projection of future failures. So you didn't get the college scholarship, okay? You, you didn't get the promotion, okay? It's not a projection. Here's what the scriptures say. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Remember, I'm not wallowing in my rejection, I'm not letting my rejection drive me or describe me or define me. I got my eyes on the king. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. That's the first tool. You're going to pick one of these tools in just a minute, so pay attention. And and the lobby is slam full out there right now. All of you in the lobby, I'm sorry you didn't get in here. Set your alarm clock for 6 a.m. and come early. Okay, but I'm really sorry. But thankfully, you're out there, and hopefully you can see all this. Rejection doesn't label you. It enables you to adjust and to move on. Now, if you're not a Christian and you don't have royal blood flowing through your veins, it will label you. You have royal blood. I have royal blood. Say that with me. Royal blood. All three of you have got it. That's great. Let's do this again. Royal blood. Again, royal blood. We all have royal blood flowing through us. It doesn't live. It enables us. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Notice what he's doing. Proactive. Each one of these things are proactive. I'm not looking back at my rejection. I'm not looking back at how I'm going to hide. I'm looking back at my covering. I'm not looking back at my blame. I'm looking to the king. I'm looking forward. Another tool. This could be an invitation to live in expectation of something else. I talked about last week how trouble was transportation. You remember that last week? Trouble is transportation. With God, there are greater things in store for you A closed door may just be a different route, a circuitous route to the thing he wants to get you to in the first place. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to those who seek him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Lamentations. Maybe there's some element of protection wrapped up in the rejection. I wonder about that a lot. I miss an exit on the interstate? Was I just being stupid, not paying attention? Or did God actually help me miss that exit? Probably nine times out of ten, I was being stupid and wasn't paying attention, okay? But I I think about how sometimes I meant to do something, but I was late or I was earlier, I was delayed, and how God just has his hand of protection on you. When you're in in the fold, when you're in the family, I believe the angels of God are protecting you and protecting me. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. He delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord. 
His holy people. For those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord, they lack no good thing. All right. It is good to ask the what questions, but it's less helpful to ask the why questions. I don't ask why anymore. Every time I think I've got God in a theological box, he blows up my box. I got God figured out. I put him in my box. I've been studying this for 35 years. Surely I know by now. And he just blows it out of the water. I'm like the two-year-old where the parent says, don't run to the street. Don't run to the street. Don't run. I don't know why I shouldn't run to the street. I'm two years old. But my parent does. My mom does. My father does. And that's my heavenly father. I, I'm going to follow my... I'm, we're, we're the two-year-olds. We don't know why. But we can ask, what am I supposed to learn from this? And how am I supposed to go forward with this? Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Another tool is don't hash. I thought this was funny. Don't hash, bash, or trash on social media. It never forgets. And it really shows you how weak you are. It really shows you how insecure you are. It really shows you how fearful you are and how small you are. And that's not who we are. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Another tool, there's much more to you than the part that was rejected. Your rejection is just a closet in your house. It's just the garage. It's just the back corner office. Why would we let that describe us and define us and declare who we are. There's so much more to you. You're a child of the king. You're a child of the king of kings. He says this, the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his right hand. These are just tools, folks. You got to get the gospel first. Now, once you got the gospel, how can we then use some of these tools to help us to go forward what one person sees as your liability, another might see as, your, as a wonderful asset. And that is so true. Just because somebody rejected you doesn't mean your rejection material. There will always be people who will reject you. There will always be people who don't like you. But just because one person sees it, here's what the Scripture says, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. Let God use this rejection to make you stronger and to take you further. Denise and I were first married. I'm in graduate school in Louisville, Kentucky, and there's this church uh, called Southeast Christian Church. The pastor's Bob Russell, great church, growing church, kind of like where we are today back then. And so they, they, he calls me, the pastor calls me and says, would you apply to be our youth minister? I'm not saying you got the job, but would you apply to be the, our youth pastor? And so I met with him for lunch, met with him again, talked to several people, blah, blah, blah. And, and I was excited. I was excited to be a part of that church, probably more than I was excited to be a youth pastor, but I was so excited to be a part of that system. I would learn, I would grow. All I could see was that's really going to help me with tutors and mentors to get on the, on the right track. I didn't get the job. They hired somebody else. And so about a month later, I talked to the pastor and I said, tell me why. Tell me why I didn't get the job. He said, I'll be real honest with you. As I began praying about you and your future, he said, I don't think God wants you to be a youth pastor. 
I think he wants you to learn how to preach. Couldn't see it. At the time, I'm preaching at a little country church on the weekends, about 30 people. We'd have about 13 people on Sunday nights. I'm preaching to 13 people on Sunday nights. On Easter, we had a robust crowd of 70. I couldn't see it. Isn't that the point? You and I don't know, but with God in charge, He'll take you a lot further than you could ever dream or ever imagine. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and He saves those who are crushed in spirit. All right, the last tool. This is a short-term setback, not a permanent solution. Every time there's a rejection, it's a short-term setback, not a long-term. All right, here we go. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. Let me camp out on this verse. This is now what we do. When we are worried about image management, and we're always worried about looking good like Peter was in the community to everybody else, we're going to miss the Messiah. We're going to miss the freedom that Christ has to offer to us. And he says this, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. We have a choice in this life what we're going to focus on. I'm going to focus on my rejection. I'm going to focus on Jesus Christ. I'm going to focus on everyday image management. I'm going to hide. I'm going to cover up. I'm going to blame. I'm going to have all kinds of consequences. Or I'm going to pursue a relationship with Jesus. You have that choice. You have that choice every single day. Every single one of us has to make a choice. Now, this is eternal life, he says. You want to live this life? You want to live well? You want to live abundantly? You want to live free? You choose Jesus. And you become ambitious, an ambitious course. Maybe it's a scripture verse on your phone. Maybe it's a scripture verse every day on your computer. Maybe it's 15 minutes alone with God. You got to figure that out. But you will do one of two things. If you don't do this, every day of your life you're trying to cover and you're trying to hide, and it will leave you absolutely exhausted. I don't know God. All right, surround yourself with some people who do. I don't know Scripture. I didn't either at 14. Start reading the Bible. I don't really know how to pray. Ask some people around you who learn how to pray. It's that eternal life is what? I'm going to know God, and God's going to know me. Because I'm already fully known, and so I walk forward with him. Well, I want to encourage you to pick one of these. That's what they call the fine print in life, okay? I want to get them all on one screen. I know it's hard to see it. There we go. Thank you, guys. Um, Pick one of those. Now, if you're not a Christian, that's the place to start. You give Jesus Christ your life. And he cleanses you of all sins. And so in just a minute, the prayer partners will be down front. If you've never given your life to Jesus, today is the day. But he wants you to walk in freedom. When you pick your one, just pick one. I know some of you need all ten, but we're not going to go there. Just pick one. I want you to stand, and I'll pray for us, and I'll wrap this thing up. If you're a guest today, you don't have to do this. Just stand and smile.
Well, this is how the story ends. Revelation chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven, the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. This is God's dream. You're not the only one who dreams. Your father is dreaming of doing life with you. And this is how it's going to end. A new city, a new heaven, a new earth. Prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and he will be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more mourning, death, crying, or pain for the old order of things is passed away. You are the king of kings and you are the great Lord of lords. You're in a boat with Peter and you have nailed him because he's still trying to manage his image. And finally, when he fell on his knees, he got it. I love that story of the woman at the well. It's taken me 20 years to understand why you ripped a scab off her heart because she had to get in touch with her rejection. She was looking for a man to meet that need, and you were the only God-man who could ever fulfill her. I love the story of the woman caught in adultery. Where are your accusers? You were the holy, righteous God, and you did not accuse her of her unrighteousness. It wasn't a ticket to go sin. It was an invitation for growth. May we come to you, Lord Jesus. May we grow with you, Lord Jesus. And just like John 17, 3, may we pursue you. We love you. And we dream, we dream about being fully known and fully loved. Fully loved. And we want to say thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Bless you.